Thank you for joining us on the Hope Church LV podcast. We are excited that you came across this message. The sermon you are about to listen to is from our series, This is 20. If you're joining us for the first time, I want to be the first to say, welcome to Hope Church. Go ahead and open up the Hope Church LV app or visit hopechurchlv.com and click connect with us to fill out a short digital connection card. If you haven't done so already, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast to help spread hope to the world. Once again, thank you for joining us today. Enjoy the sermon. Well, I don't know about you, but I am so excited to jump into this month. Already you can tell we are excited about all that God has done here. If you have a Bible, go ahead and open it up to John chapter 4 or a device. Go ahead and flip open to John 4. Um, I want to bring you back just as we jump in to April of 2007. April 2007, I'm 20 years old, and I'm a part of this little Bible college in Southern California, and I come back with my then girlfriend, who's now my wife, Candice. We come back to visit, amen, shout out to Candice. We come back to just visit our family here in Vegas for Easter, and we were going to go to the church that she grew up at, and the church that I gave my life to Jesus at, a church here in town, and, and we got an invitation in April of 2007 that I didn't know, and this isn't being dramatic, this is just being honest, I didn't know that invitation would literally change my life. See, I got invited to come to an Easter service at a little bitty church called Hope Baptist Church. And it was the first time that I drove on that Pebble campus and I got to experience Church, like I never experienced church before, like we just kind of did. Not much has changed, right, in 14 years from that moment, 15 years around. I just remember there was this dude on stage and he was preaching with some fiery Southern Baptist action going on. He had pleated pants and a tucked in polo shirt. And I thought, I don't know if me and this man have anything in common, but that dude loves Jesus and so do I. And I loved it. I just kept coming back. Graduated from that little Bible college, come back, get involved in what God was doing at Hope Church and got started serving in small group in the student ministry. My wife and I got married. We began to have children here. And I look back as I was preparing this to jump into This Is 20 this first week. And I look back, and I'm not trying to be dramatic. God has completely changed and transformed my life at this church. I'm going to get emotional probably because... I'm looking at those stories. I'm looking at Christina. I'm looking at the Suzes. I'm looking at, I watched that little intro video this week when our team put it together. And I'm just in my office getting all emotional because God is doing something special at this church. I've learned so much at this church. I've learned, I'm literally, like my entire adulthood has been formed and, and, and molded here at this church. I've learned to disciple people and to raise children and to be a better husband and to preach God's word. And so many things have happened because of God's grace through the ministry of Hope Church. If you're thankful in your story for Hope Church, can we just like give it up for Jesus? Man. That is my story of hope. And every one of us have a story of hope. Even if today you're here for the very first time, welcome to this amazing journey called Hope Church. I hope today is an April 2007 moment for you and you'll be here for 15 years or longer. Whether you've been here for a day, a month, a year, or maybe you were in Pastor Vance's living room in 2001, we are really, really stoked, if you can't tell, for what God is doing here at this church. And here's the best part. What we're celebrating, yes, 
but also what we're looking forward to in the future. God is not done with what he's doing. His grace is so good and he's just put favor on this church and we can't wait over the next month just to share with you the things that we believe God has put on our heart for the future. As we just invite what God's doing in, as we invest into what God's doing, we can't wait to share with you. I could go on and on, but there's a sermon to get to and the Bible to get to. So like I said, John chapter four, we are gonna look at a story today that's a perfect picture of how I feel my life has been impacted by this church. It's an epic invitation. Pastor Ricky mentioned it already. Jesus has this encounter with a woman. You may have heard this story if you've been around church for any length of time. It's referred to as the woman at the well. And we're not gonna read every verse of this story. It's, it's actually the entire chapter four of the Gospel of John. And we don't have time to preach verse by verse through every verse in the chapter. So we're going to read a little bit and talk a little bit, and I'll fill in the blanks as we read. But just before we jump in, I want us all to lean into this reality that this is not just some ancient, far-off story that has no uh, tangible application to our lives. This is not just something in the pages of Scripture that's like, yeah, that's a cool story. I want us to see today, and hopefully you'll hear and feel today that God, this is, a, this is a lot closer to home than we may realize. In fact, I would, I would say it has a lot more to do with your story than you realize today. And maybe you've never read it like that. So jumping right in, we're going to start in verse 5 of chapter 4 of the Gospel of John. We'll read a little bit and talk a little bit and read a little bit more. Here's what the Bible says in John 4, chapter 5. John 4, verse 5. So he, that's Jesus came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Those are Old Testament characters, Jacob and Joseph. Jacob's well was there, so Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. Translation, it's noon, right? It's noon. Verse 7, and a woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink, for his disciples had gone into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Real quick, we got to do some context. What's she talking about? Right here, just off the jump of this story, Jesus breaks two very important cultural rules. The first rule she mentions He was a Jew talking to a Samaritan. If you were here last week, Pastor Edward talked about the the story of the good Samaritan. Uh, Just cliff notes, Samaritans were not looked at as good people. They were were biracial, they were were half Jewish, half another culture, and they were kind of outcasts of the society. Nobody had dealings, especially if you were a Jewish person, with Samaritans. Those are those people. We don't do life with, with those people. So she's tripping a little bit because Jesus, a Jew, is talking to her uh, Samaritan. So he broke cultural rule number one, Jews don't talk to Samaritans. Cultural rule number two that he broke is women and men don't have conversation that aren't aren't married to each other in public. We don't know that in this day and age, right? You can go to Starbucks right now and you can ask the, the nice lady in front of you to go ahead and go before you. And that's not weird, but this is a really big deal in this culture. Men who weren't married to that woman, they don't talk in public. They don't talk unless they are married. So Jesus comes to this well at noon with this woman and breaks these two cultural rules. See, he actually broke four invisible barriers between him and this woman that you may or may not know. And I want to help us to to understand this story. There's four invisible barriers that Jesus busted right through. There was a religious wall, a religious barrier. 
Samaritans and Jews had very different religious beliefs. We're going to get into that a little later. There was the gender wall. We already talked about that. Why are you talking to me? You are a man and I am a woman and you shouldn't be talking to me. There is a racial wall. You're a Jew. I'm a Samaritan. We don't do life together at all. We live on different sides of the train track, so to say. And then finally, there's a, a moral wall, a moral barrier. See, there's a reason that this woman was by herself. She wasn't with her girls at 6 a.m. when most of the people went out to get water. She was there by herself. And we're going to find out why later in the story. But this woman not only was outcast because she was a Samaritan, she was an outcast even within the Samaritan. She's going to the well all by herself because she had some junk in her life. And so Jesus busts through that. He sees past that for this amazing encounter. And he says, hey, would you give me a drink? She says, you have, you have nothing to draw water with. And let's pick it up in verse 10 of John chapter 4. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God... And who it was that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. What I want us to see throughout this entire story, Jesus is very intentional about where he's headed. He has a plan and a sovereign purpose for this conversation. So he's saying, give me a drink. She says, you, ain't, you didn't bring nothing. You didn't bring a canteen. You didn't bring nothing. How are you going to get water? And he says, hey, if you knew who it was that's asking you for this water, you would ask me for living water. And he introduced this radical concept of living water. Later on in the story, Jesus talks about this idea that with this living water, you'll never have to go to this well again. With this living water, you will have eternal life. With this living water, you'll never have to thirst again because you will be fully satisfied. So what does she say? Like you and me, she says, give me that water. I hate bringing this jar to this well every day. I want whatever it is, this living water concept, give me whatever that is. And here's where I want us to kind of bust into our day and age today. How many people do we know? They may not be going to physical wells, but every single day they're going to a different well looking for some sort of satisfaction. They're going to something different to say, this is what's going to give me thirst. This is, what, this is what the news said. This is what my best friend said, that this is going to give me satisfaction. And they go from well to well to well to well. We know people, we ourselves could use a dose of this living water where we'll never thirst again. And Jesus says it's available. This living water very simply is a picture of salvation. Right here he says, if you have this living water, you'll never thirst again. It's bubbling up and it's eternal life. Later on in the gospel of John, Jesus says in John 7, Jesus stood up and cried out saying, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. There's that picture. What is that? This he spoke of the spirit whom they, those who believed in him were to receive. So when he talks about this living water, he's asking this girl, do you want to be saved? Do you want something that will satisfy you despite all the junk in your life right now? I offer that. And Jesus does something very interesting. She says to him, please, like that sounds great. And we would all agree, that's an amazing sales pitch. Give me that water. But Jesus doesn't say, well, here's the water. Here's salvation. Have a great day. Jesus takes a left. Look what he says there in verses 16 and 17. This is where the story gets real interesting. Some of you may remember Jerry Springer. This is where it gets Jerry Springer-like. <laughs> Just a throwback there. Late 90s. Here we go. He told her, okay, 
Go and call your husband and come back. Listen, here's what I want us to see. She said, I want that living water. But here's what Jesus is about to do. Jesus is about to show him. You may show her, you may want this living water, but I'm going to show you that you need this living water. I'm going to lovingly show you your need for salvation. Go call your husband. She says, I have no husband. Jesus enters into a conversation here and a level of conversation here that, that's that thing that she didn't want anybody to know about. I think we can kind of all relate. There's that thing that you don't really want anybody to know about. That how on earth did this guy just know about her past that we're going to get into in a minute? Like, why are you talking about my, my love life? This is a, a hidden part of her life that she wasn't sure she was ready to uncover to anybody. And all of a sudden this guy at this well on this random Wednesday afternoon, we don't know that it was Wednesday. I just threw that in there. It feels like Wednesday. Go get your husband. I don't have a husband. Jesus says, you're right. You've actually had five husbands and the one you're living with now isn't your husband. Now, I don't know if you've ever been in a really awkward situation. <laughs> But this is like, I'm going to step out of this for a minute. Not even supposed to be talking to each other. Man, woman, Jew, Samaritan, what is going on here? And now all of a sudden, she, he's, he's saying the deepest part of her sinful life, he's unveiling. Why is he doing that? Is Jesus rubbing her sin in her face? Like, why is Jesus doing this? I want us to see Jesus is saying, I know you want the living water, but I need to show you, you need the living water. What Jesus is doing is not rubbing her sin in her face. What Jesus is doing is lovingly showing her her need for salvation. He's exposing her sin. He's showing her, listen, you need living water. What is that for you? What was that for you? When you realized, man, I missed it. I messed up. I, 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 don't, I don't have the goodness and the grace to enter into whatever it is, this living water. And Jesus said, that's the point. I understand that. I know. That's why I'm showing you you need it. And it's, from, it's a free gift from me. Jesus wasn't rubbing her sin in her face. He was lovingly showing her. Listen, sometimes we have to understand how broken we are before we can realize how beautiful salvation is. That's why the gospel, the whole gospel, when we say that, we mean good news. The good news of Jesus, the fact that he came to earth, he, he lived a perfect life, he died in our place, he rose again. That is very good news. But unless you have the bad news attached to that, it doesn't make a lot of sense because you're like, why do I need that? It's only helpful if you realize you need help. So he's showing her, you need help. Let's pick it up in verse 19. I love her response. The woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Like, yeah, something's going on there because I don't know how you knew all that. And then she does something very interesting. In the next several verses, you can check it out later. She, she totally takes like an ancient rabbit trail. She starts talking about cultural practices of worship. It's almost like she's like, let's put that five husband thing on the side. Let's talk about some high pie in the sky stuff for a minute. You worship on this mountain. We worship on this mountain. And she says, I know that one day a Messiah is coming. And again, Jesus lovingly zeroes back in. And he said, hey, hey, hey that Messiah you're talking about, that Messiah you speak of, look at verse 26. I who speak to you am he. See what he's done? He's breaking these walls down. He's showing her her need. She tries to take a left and goes on this rabbit trail. And he says, listen, listen, that Messiah, I am the Messiah. And I love what happens next in verse 28 through 30. 
So the woman left her water jar and went away into the town. Here's the part we're going to zero in on tonight. She said to the people, come see a man who told me all that I ever did. Come, can this be the Christ? They went out to the town and were coming to him. That little phrase at the top, it's a very interesting phrase. She left her water jar. Commentators kind of disagree and, and have some fun on, on what this means, right? A few things it can mean. One is, is it was like a big water jar. So she's like had this amazing experience with Jesus and she's bailing to go tell everyone she knows about it. She doesn't want to carry the water jar. That's a very practical way that that could be. My personal favorite interpretation is she's so done. She's experienced now this living water. She's so done with that that she just doesn't even remember it. And she just bails to go tell everyone she knows about this newfound living water she has. That's an option. Other people say at the beginning of the story, Jesus asked her for a drink, and so she's just being hospitable. I love that idea too. Like, hey, you didn't, have, you didn't bring anything to get the water? You can have mine. I'm going to go tell everyone I know about you, right? Like, that could be an option. The Bible doesn't say why she left her water pot, but here's what every, all commentators agree, and we can agree this weekend on. This woman left the well different than she came. She had an incredible experience with God. We celebrate this amazing, unforgettable experience. But here's what I want us to see today. That is not just her story. That's just not her story. And we're going we're gonna to look at this story over and over again a few times in a few different lights with a few different perspectives but I want to summarize it very simply for us. What is this story? We just read a whole story. I want, to, I want to boil it down really into four statements that I think we can all agree. This is a great summary of this story. Here's the first point. Jesus saw her. Pretty simple. He sought her out. It says that he had to go through Samaria. It says that beginning of this chapter. Historians tell us he didn't have to go to Samaria to where he was going. He could have totally went another way, but he intentionally sought this conversation out. Jesus saw, sought her out and Jesus saw her. This girl just showed up to the well, probably like she did every other day. She wasn't expecting an amazing encounter that would change her life forever. She didn't wake up and think, I'm going to get saved today. She didn't wake up and say, I'm going to have an amazing encounter where I'm going to experience living water. But Jesus knew what he was doing and he saw her. Second thing we see in this story is Jesus spoke truth to her. I love that aspect of this story. He poured out amazing grace on this girl's life who was living in sin and, and all kinds of junk going on. But he didn't just give her grace to show her that she needed him. She spoke truth. He spoke truth to her. This is one of the best pictures in scripture of the grace of God and the truth of God on display. He lovingly led her to show her you need this. And the third thing he does is Jesus saved her. We praise God for that. You say, I didn't see that in the, in the text. How, how do we know that she is saved? Well, a couple cross-references happen later on in the chapter. Later on in the chapter, she goes and says, come and tells all the guys and girls, hey, come see the man that told me all I ever did. I, I just had this amazing encounter. And then later on in verse 39 of chapter 4, it says, many Samaritans from the town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. Even later on in the chapter, they said to the woman, that's the Samaritans, they came back and they said to the woman, it is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard ourselves and we know, here it is, that this is indeed the Savior of the world. So Jesus saw her, Jesus spoke truth to her, 
Jesus saved her. And here's what she did. She was compelled to share. I love this about the story. We love the the amazing encounter she had with God. But after Jesus saw her and spoke truth to her and saved her, what did she do? She was compelled to share. I love that this story doesn't say, and after she had this encounter, she got her journal and she went on a spiritual retreat to find herself. Right? She didn't. It doesn't say she had this amazing encounter at the well and then she went to a Christian conference to learn a little bit more about this new relationship. I need to know the Greek and I need to know how the Jews do life. So I'm going to go now to seminary to learn about this. Listen, no knock on seminary and Christian conferences and spiritual retreats. But that is not what happens in this story. She is seen. She's spoken truth to. She's saved. And immediately she is compelled to share what happened to her. She says in verse 29, come see a man. See this Jesus. Is this the Messiah? This is a radical, life-changing story, but here's what I don't want us to miss. That's my story. Praise God for Christina's story in that video, man. I'm like in tears over here on the front row because that's Christina's story. And not because it was this crazy, radical transformation. I don't care if you grew up in church your whole life and when you're 16, you went to a summer camp and you know all the Bible verses. You saw your need for Jesus and you gave your life to him. The woman at the well story is your story. True story of the woman at the well is still true for us today. And I, I know that that kind of falls on, on deaf ears and it's kind of like, yeah, we, we know that. But can we just like all get around this idea that today, if you are a follower of Jesus, I don't know what your well was, but you got around a well with the God of the universe and he showed you your need for him. He sought you out before the foundation of the earth. He saw you and he spoke truth into your life and showed you your need for a savior and praise God, he saved you. Like that's insanely wild today. And maybe you're just way higher on the moral standard than I am. But I, I'm looking at me and I'm thinking, how did he save me? Like, I know me. You know you. I could try to put up a front, but we know ourselves. Like, the king of all glory saw in his sovereignty to save me? It's amazing. So Jesus follower, if you're here today, if you're watching online, this is your story. So here's what I want to do. I, I want to show us, just like we, we put it out there, the, the summary of her story. I want to put that summary of our story. The reality is Jesus saw me. I made it personal so you could really personalize this. You didn't wake up on your day of salvation and say, you know what I think I'm going to do today? I think I'm going to get saved and go to heaven forever. <laughs> you may be here right now. And Pastor Ricky prayed it earlier. You may be here right now. You just got an invitation to church from a friend. But today is going to be your day at the well and God is going to save you. But you didn't wake up this morning and think, I I sought after God. But he sought after you. Jesus spoke truth to me at some point in my life. For me, it was at a summer camp, student ministry. I saw my need for Jesus. I saw, man, I can't do this by myself. I can't be good enough to get saved or, or get to some eternal life out there somewhere. I was shown the truth of God and, and Jesus saved me. And we praise God for that. And I haven't met one Christian who's not super down with the fact that Jesus saw me, Jesus spoke truth to me, and Jesus saved me. Put that there it is right there. I, we can all get down with that. Like we're super stoked about that. 
But that's not where the woman at the well experienced. That's not where the salvation experience ends. She goes to her people and says, come and see a man who's changed my life. So the question I've been wrestling with all week, and I hope you know that when we get up here, we're just not trying to preach sermons that we're not being affected by. Like I'm wrestling with this question all week. Am I compelled to share? Like, I want you to ask that of yourself, but I'm asking that of me all week. Like, Scott Worthington, I've been seen, I've been spoken true to, I've been saved now for like 15-something years. I praise God for that. But, like, am I compelled to share that with everybody I know? Come and see a man who changed my life. There's an awesome truth that God has saved you. But the awesome truth that a lot of times we don't get as rah-rah about is that God has also sent you. And sometimes, if I'm honest, I'm just not compelled. I'm just doing me. So I thought about it in my own life. Again, I just want to share out of vulnerability in my own experience. I thought, man, why am I not compelled? Why are we, make it plural, it's a church together, we're in this thing together. Why are we not compelled to share? I'll share a couple that, that I know have been true of my life at times. Here's the first one. I'm not compelled because I'm just not experiencing God. Like, we can read this story and we could go, that's a cool story. But if I'm being honest, I may be a Christian, but like this living water thing, it kind of dried up 15 years ago. And I'm going, I don't want to take for granted just because you're at a church that you're just like having this amazing encounter with Jesus and experiencing all this good God stuff. Let's not take that for granted today. You may be here and say, hey, I know the living water is real. I believe I have a relationship with Jesus, but like it's definitely not flowing up, bubbling up eternal life in my soul. Maybe it's dried up for you today. You're, you're living on, off, off past realities instead of present realities. Past experience. I remember that one time, man, that summer camp a few years ago. I remember that one sermon series five years ago at Hope Church. It changed my life. Listen, we want to understand that a relationship with Jesus is not only looking back at these amazing victories, but every day having victory in Christ, spending time with him, realizing this living water should never be drying up. It should always be bubbling over in our lives. And if it's not, the call for you today is come back to the well that's there. Come back to the living water that's available. There's nothing you got to do. So maybe I'm not experiencing God. So of course I'm not compelled to share. I'm not having this crazy well moments with the Lord. And here's one that really hit close to home for me. We're too preoccupied. I praise, can we just say, praise God, this girl didn't have an iPhone. How many times, like, if this is in 2021, She's like scrolling Instagram and double tapping and following people. And she doesn't even know Jesus is there for like 30 minutes. Is it just me? You ever been caught by your spouse? That's the worst. She's talking to me. She's going on. Her day is bad and everything. And, and, I'm, and she's like, did you even hear me? And you're like, what? <laughs> yes, I did, babe. I'm so, yeah. Wow. Listen, I'm too preoccupied sometimes to be compelled to share. Praise God on the way back from this amazing experience. She's not headed back to Samaria to tell all her people about this man who's changed her life. And her friend sent her the newest TikTok that she had to just stop and watch because it was so funny. And we joke, but like that's today. 
I'm too preoccupied by my own desires that I don't see what's going on in the God activity that he may be drawing me into today. I thought about this. I'm sitting in a coffee shop this week, and I'm like in the sermon, and all of a sudden I'm scrolling Instagram, and all of a sudden I'm looking up things online, and I realize like I don't even, I might as well be alone on an island somewhere right now. I'm just zoned out. I'm distracted by my own desires. So I miss out, and I'm not compelled. And here's the deal. I know this is one of those sermons that, like, it's a sermon about sharing Jesus with other people and inviting people to experience what you've experienced. And a lot of times you can walk out of these sermons and you can feel guilty, like, man, i got to talk to people about Jesus more. That's not the goal of today is to make you feel guilty that you haven't shared the gospel with anybody in the last week or month or year or decade. <laughs> no judgment. Here's what I want to do today as we start off This is 20 to simply recognize this lady had an amazing encounter with the living God and it only compelled her to share about it. In fact, that's what the New Testament is. All these people have these amazing encounters with the living, living, risen Christ and they can't shut up about it. You don't find anybody that's like, yeah, I've just been really praying about how to share my faith today. That's me. It's like, boy, look at the Bible. They just talked about what they were experiencing constantly. It was on their mouths constantly. It was on their lips constantly. They couldn't shut up about the thing that changed their life. And as we close, let's take this out of sermon land. I love saying that, right, because we can live up here like, wow, good points, you know. Like, let's take this out of sermon land. Like, we understand this in real life. Put a, put a statement on the screen that I 100% believe is true. We become evangelists for whatever satisfies us. And listen, that's not like a spiritual principle. We share and we don't shut up about whatever it is that we are satisfied with. Let me give you an example. I never have to be coerced. You never have to preach a sermon. You never have to give me a book about how amazing a double-double animal style In-N-Out burger is. <laughs> Ever. And here's the deal. You never have to coerce me or challenge me to tell you from a stage with a thousand people listening online with a face mic on, double-double animal style is one of the best things I've ever put in my mouth. Because why? I'm a natural evangelist for whatever I'm satisfied with. And I've tasted and seen that the In-N-Out burger is good. Amen? We understand this. I, I know we're kind of being funny, but like, Whatever it is, that your hobby, your favorite movie, your favorite sports team, favorite book, your family, whatever you are satisfied with, you are an evangelist of. You just share. Like you don't have to be talked into. So here's the question I've been wrestling with all week. It's been a rough one. Am I truly satisfied with Christ? Because I'll talk to you about everything under the sun, but whatever reason, I get all tripped out when I have to talk about Jesus. Again, how do, we, how do we respond to this? Let's lay that summary over our lives. Jesus saw her. Do I see people? Like, I mean really see people like Jesus. Because we see people. Let me be honest. Like, I see people. But let me just be real honest. I see people most of the time from a place of judgment. Anybody like to people watch? Just make yourself feel better by judging other people. <laughs> I know you. I know me. Like, why is she wearing that? Why is he driving that? I wonder what, what he does. That he can drive that. Right? Here's 2021. Here's a 2021 seeing people. I wonder if they're vaccinated. 
Too soon? Too soon. I see people. I wonder why she's, he's talking to his kids like that. I wonder why he ordered that. You start thinking and seeing people, but a lot of times I see people from a place of judgment and Jesus is showing you. It's not just seeing people and observing something about their lives. He's seeing this woman, not because he could have judged her, right? He could see her from her place of, of moral bankruptcy. Can we just say you got, you got six, five husbands and, an, and you're shacking up with another one? Like you could judge that girl. Be really easy. Jesus sees her from a place of love and knows what he's going to do in her life, not what she's done in her life. He sees what he's going to do, not what she already has done. So I want to see people. Like truly see people, not as Scott sees, but as, as God sees. Second thing is uh, Jesus spoke truth to her. What is this? At Hope, we like to frame it up like this. These are, these are gospel conversations. And I know it's tough. People feel like I'm not qualified, man. I've never been to seminary. I never preached a sermon. Here's what a gospel conversation is. Exactly what this girl did. Hey, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Come and see the man who changed my life. Well, what do you mean? You explain what happened to you. A gospel conversation. It's explaining the gospel. What is the gospel? We already talked about it a little bit earlier, but this is the, the whole gospel. Explaining to your friend or your neighbor or your coworker or your mom or your dad or whoever it is in your life that they are sinners in need of a savior and they could never do whatever they're trying to do to get to wherever they're trying to get. They could never do it. So God did for us what we could never do for ourselves. God in, entered into our humanity, became a human, Jesus Christ, he lived a perfect life. He died on the cross. He lived the life we couldn't live and died the death we should have died in our place for our sin. And three days later, we celebrated every Easter. He got up from the grave, proving that he defeated death, hell, and the grave. And now, right now, this first weekend of September 2021, that Jesus is ruling and reigning and running the entire universe as king. You tell people, and you know what's crazy? I know that God, and you can too. How can you know that God? All you do is understand you're a sinner, understand what he's done for you, and you willingly lay your life down and say, I surrender. I give control of my life over to you. I've been challenged this week. I'm like, Scott, man, when's the last time you said that to somebody? So much easier to tell somebody you're praying for them. That's good. Man, when's the last time you shared the gospel with somebody? So I've been praying, and maybe you could adopt this prayer in your own life. Every day for like two weeks, I've been asking God, God, today, let me see people and lead me to a gospel conversation today. And here's the deal. I've probably missed a thousand opportunities. But I'm literally just kind of being honest. Like I'm literally in my prayer journal every morning the last couple weeks. God, today, show me somebody that needs Jesus and give me an opportunity to share the gospel because I want to see people. I want to speak truth to people. And then here's the best part. Jesus saved her. You're off the hook. You can't save anybody. 
I would be a really bad savior. So I see people like Jesus saw people. I speak truth to people like Jesus spoke truth to people. I show them their need. I have a gospel conversation. And then guess what? I beg God. It's not up to you to save people. That's up to him. It's our job to share and it's God's job to save. So you see people and you share with people and you beg God, save that person, God, because you can't. See, we think we're not good enough. We think we don't, what if they ask a question? I don't know. What if I don't know how to, re, how to respond to their questions? We think we have to have this qualification or this merit to share. The merit you have to share is that you've had a radical encounter with Jesus. He's changed your life. Now you should be, I should be compelled to share it. All throughout history, God uses very ordinary people to do miraculous, extraordinary things. Read the Bible. There's some fools up in the Bible. And God uses them. See people. You speak truth to people and you, you beg God, save them. So how do we respond to this? I know we're jumping into this awesome month of celebration. How do we respond to something like this? I, I want... We want every person in our church to feel equipped this month to invite people on this journey of what God's doing at this church. And so we've, we've, we've made it as, as simple as we can make it. I think today, I think this week, you know, maybe even right now, man, there's a gospel conversation that I need to have. I've, I've, been, I've been praying about this person. I know exactly, like, as soon as you started talking, Scott, got in my mind, I know the person I'm supposed to share the gospel with. I pray that this week you would share the love of Jesus with them and that God would save them. So maybe the response today is that, man, I, I need to have some gospel conversations. Maybe another easy response for you is you would go get some of these invite cards. As soon as you leave, we have some invite cards. We've got a bunch of them. They say, this is 20 on it. And at the end of the month, our 20th birthday, Pastor Vance is going to be sharing the gospel. Like explicit, clear, like we hope this place is full in all three services of people that don't know Jesus. And so maybe for you, you're like, I'm just going to give these to every person I know. And if God leaves me an opportunity to share the gospel with one of them, I'm going to share the gospel with one of them or 10 of them. But I'm definitely making sure everyone who has a pulse around me is getting one of these because I want to make sure they hear the gospel either by me or by our church in the next month. And so maybe just get a, a grip of these and handing them out every where you go this, this month. You say, how do I do that though? It's kind of weird to just walk up to somebody and give them an invite card. Well, we got you covered. We came up with 10 really easy tips. It's got things on here like buy the person's coffee behind you. And as you give the, give the server their, your, your money and say, hey, I, I want to buy the person behind me. And, and as they come up and get their latte, would you give them this card and tell them the, the person in front of them just loves them? That's one babysit for a single mother around you that you know would just need a night off. Babysit for her and say, hey, real quick, before I take off, I'd love to have you at my church. Or can we sit down and talk about the gospel for a minute? Maybe both. Praise God. Whatever it is that the Spirit of God leads you to do, we want to equip our church. We want to celebrate what God's done in the past. Praise God. But we also understand He's not done inviting people to a relationship with Him. He's not done doing miraculous things to this church. And we want to embrace whatever it is that He is calling us into as a church for the future. Amen. Just before we stand up and sing, listen, Pastor Ricky prayed it talked about it in this message, maybe today is your well experience. 
this whole time, your heart's pumping, you're like, your heart's beating fast, and you're like, man, like, I feel like I'm the woman at the well right now. You may very well be that woman. And here's what you've just heard today. Jesus sees you. In fact, you're here today because he sees you. All of you. Not just the parts that you pretty up to come in here today or to log online. He sees you. Not only does he see you, he wants you to know the truth. That you're desperate for a relationship with God. Maybe today, just through the preaching of the word and the worship and Christina's story and the Susan's story and all that we've done in this service, you realize, man, I need a savior. I can't, I can't do whatever it is I've been trying to do. It's just an empty well that's going to dry up. I want that living water. Here's the best news ever. He's done everything that needs to be done for that living water to satisfy you for all eternity. It's already done. So just like I said earlier in the message, how do you get in on that? You literally, hands open, you don't have to have your hands open. You don't have to pray a certain prayer. You just tell the God of heaven, I'm in. I'm here and you're offering living water. I receive that living water. I, I surrender control of my life to you. Listen, if that's you today, this is your well experience. This is you right now at the well with Jesus. He's leading you into a relationship with him. And we want to equip you. We want to walk with you. We want to show you. Just like when that girl went back to Samaria and all those Samaritans gave their life to Jesus, they started a church there. I can't only imagine, right? They got to they worship Jesus together and they did it together. You and I were never meant to live the Christian life alone. So let us know. Not so we can just have some tally mark. If you're a Christian, we want to know about it so we can walk with you and show you what it looks like to follow Jesus. The Bible would call you a newborn baby in Christ. Newborn babies need help. So let us help you. That's you today. Just as I pray in just a minute, we're going to have pastors down here. We're going to respond just by singing. Again, just singing the gospel that Jesus paid it all. Maybe today you would come up and say, I, I think I'm at the well. And I want a relationship with Jesus. We'll connect you with somebody. We want to get some information because we want to show you how to follow Jesus. Maybe there's things going on in your life and you just like prayer. Maybe today as an altar, you just want to come and just have, some, have, have a moment with the Lord, just do business with God, whatever it is. Every week we do this. We've been doing it for decades now, two decades, responding as the word of God is preached to whatever the spirit of God is doing in your life. Thank you for listening to the Hope Church LV podcast. If you haven't done so already, go rate and review our podcast to spread hope to the world. Have a great rest of your day.